This is episode number 13 with world champion sprinter, Katie Williams. Hello, beautiful human. Welcome to Grow With Ryan Magic, where each week I have open and honest conversations exploring different ways for you to grow. I'm a speaker, an entrepreneur, and a self-confessed growth junkie. Thank you so much for spending time with me today. I really am pumped. So let's get into it. Katie Williams is a former pro athlete in the Australian team for beach sprinting, where she became world champion at 19 years old and was coached by the legendary Peter Crombie. Katie has been awarded six Australian gold medals and is also the recipient of Australian Athlete of the Year for Surf Lifesaving. Katie, after bio, is a really good friend of mine. I love what she's about. She, I would say, is a soul sister of mine and is someone who just lives with so much beautiful vulnerability. She speaks as a mental health advocate, inspires people to live their dream life, and has had a huge shift learning to love herself unconditionally and live life with more fulfillment. And we're really going to get into the depth of the vulnerability on that journey in this really connected interview. It was so much fun. I had an absolute blast. So what you're going to learn is how to balance performance with self-care, the benefits of meditation, how to create unconditional love just casually, how to create challenges for massive growth, how to create self-worth outside of your results, how to get out of a stressful state, how to create more joy and fulfillment in life, how to focus on what really matters to you, how to work with your personal strengths, and so much more. So when you're going through this interview, make sure that when any points stand out for you, that you pause the interview and flick the episode across to a friend. Just copy and paste the link, send it to a friend through Messenger or social media in some way. It's so beautiful to receive these little hits that we get from our friends and little pieces of inspiration. And you can do that for a friend today. Don't forget to tag myself and Katie when you're sharing this on social. I'm really pumped to get into it because this was just such a fun interview to do. You guys are going to get so much from it. So without further ado, let's dive in with the one and only Katie Williams. So welcome to the Grow with Ryan Magic show. We're here with Katie Williams today, who's an absolute legend. And I'm really excited to be here with you. And thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. I love your work. I followed you for years and um, yeah, it's such an honor. Awesome. That's really nice. Thank you for saying that. So you're obviously, we both talk about this a little bit. We're kind of like young up and comers in the space. We're doing our thing. We're trying to make the most of our life. And we have very similar kind of upbringings in the sense of like going through the process of really achieving to feel that sense of fullness in who we are. And we've both made similar transitions into spiritual, not say like learning to love ourselves unconditionally and not Mm. needing that affirmation to do so. So I'd love for, there's a couple of questions. There's a question I want to go that's the opposite to this, but I want to first touch on this. Can you just tell us a little bit about your journey from becoming, being a world champion and then transitioning out of, of that and and then stepping into the, the next chapter and how you learned to actually love yourself unconditionally? I think I'm still trying, I think I'm still learning to love myself unconditionally. I still think that I, at times, are trying to find validation in the wrong things sometimes. Mm -hmm. So I'm definitely not there yet, Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm a hundred times better than where I was. Mm -hmm. So I was a semi-professional athlete, uh, a professional athlete. And I, you know, trained my whole life. I was a sprinter. I was in the Australian team and I did beach sprinting. So I did surf life saving. I did track as well, but I didn't do track competitively. I did beach competitively purely from a point of my body was different. I was, I was actually lighter than the track girls and I was faster on the sand because you need sort of a smaller frame, but you need to be really powerful. So I found the sand running best suited me um, and it was where I excelled. So all of my life I trained, I uh, was coached by the fastest man in the world. It's not Usain Bolt. <laughs> His name is Peter Crombie and he's amazing. So he coached me my whole life. You know, I, I, I did gymnastics as a kid and then I did um, track and field and I did surf life saving and a whole lot of other sports as well, but I was the fast kid. So I decided when I was younger that I wanted to. It's a good title, make- by the way, <laughs> being the fast kid. Being the fast kid, yeah, I was the um, little snapper. Yeah, (laughs) I was known as the pocket rocket because I was really little. I'm still pretty short, but I was really little. 
And yeah, so I trained my whole life basically. And um, at age 19, I made the Australian team, which I had dreamed about for five years, which is why I've got the tattoo in my mouth, which says dream. Oh, beautiful. Um, One of my friends growing up, I grew up in a pretty rough area in Melbourne. One of my friend's dads had fuck you tattooed on his (laughs) hip and he just pulled it down and just say fuck you. That's a little bit lighter. That's, that's a, a that's bit a lighter. Bit, yeah. It's a bit more inspiring. Yeah. It's not a drunk tattoo either. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, so that's kind of why I got my first tattoo is because I always knew that that was my dream and I was going to not stop until I got there. So I was very um, externally motivated, you know. Um, I worked really well under pressure. I thrive under pressure. I liked the bigger crowds. I liked the cameras. I liked, I liked the pressure. And I became, um, uh, like for about three or four years, I was undefeated. And then I moved up an age group and I, I was 20, 20 and I was competing against those girls with 30. Were you, so a I world, were you a world champion? Yes. I was world champion age 19. You kind of, you kind of yeah. slid, slid past that little. Slid that one. <laughs> <laughs> Just missed that old one. Um, yeah, so I, I, I did become world champion uh, at age 19. And I trained so hard um, to, I was going to Holland for world championships for Opens. So you're kind of a junior when you're under 20. And then when you're over 20, you go into the Opens, which means from 20 years old, you can verse women up to age 35. So the competition really increases. So mm. I did okay in, op- in the Open age group. And for a few years, I got thirds and seconds. And eventually I won. Um, but the race that I wanted to retire on was world championships opens in Holland and I trained myself into the ground and I ended up, um, with bronchiolitis. I trained through chest infections and sinus infections. And I was just so obsessed. I was so obsessed with winning. I was so, it's my lifelong dream to win this one race, which is a bit sad really when I think about it. Um, and then I trained myself into the ground and I wasn't allowed to fly. So I had bronchiolitis. I was on a nebulizer watching, streaming the race that I was supposed to have won and been in, uh, but instead I was at home on a machine, you know, helping me breathe because I had just slammed myself and I wasn't allowed to fly. So it's awful because I realised that almost all of my worth was coming from if I was winning. You know, if I Mm. didn't get the result I wanted, I felt shit. I felt like I... All that training was for nothing. Like I was really an extremist um, and a really, really self-critical athlete. Uh, nothing was good enough unless I was winning um, mm. and I was extremely competitive. So that served me because it, I became, you know, such a fierce athlete. But in terms of my mental health and my self-worth and my confidence, uh, when I wasn't competing, I didn't really know what else, like what else I had going on. So I sort of realized that being so results driven and and being such an A-type personality and very adrenaline based and very much a risk taker, like I was a pretty bad teenager. I was a bit naughty. So I realized that this like fast life and all of this pressure sort of got to a point where I was like, well, I can't live like this clearly because I keep getting sick. And Mm -hmm. I was, I just kept getting sick. So I actually met my ex-business partner. We um, we've separated now We're best friends. So we're still friends. Uh, she does workshops and I do corporate workshops, but we came together a year and a half ago and created, year and a half ago, we split up a year and a half ago, um, but we created a thing called Real Talk, which is workshops for young men. So basically, a long story short, being an athlete, pushing my body to the limits and um, really realizing that I can't put all of my worth in my results. Mm. I then decided to do the podcast, which is better for it, and then which is all about self-improvement. Uh, and then I decided to do workshops. So I do a corporate workshop called You First, which is basically getting people back on their feet again. Um, and also I'm a trainer. So I think for me now with the experiences that I've had um, with being obsessive uh, and being so outcome-based that now I'm trying to become you know, more internally reverent and internally motivated and not having to have a coach tell me what to do and not having to have people clapping for me f- to feel worthy. Mm. So that's been a long process. It hasn't happened overnight. Um, and I'm still working on it. Like I wouldn't, I'm not sitting here, but I'm not sitting here now going like, you know, Instagram gives me an ego boost. Like it still does. And, um, even the podcast, like I like knowing that people are, I'm helping people through the podcast, but for me, it feels like I'm giving more than I'm getting back. 
Yeah, that's beautifully said. Thank you for sharing your story. It's a really beautiful story. And it's a it's an impressive story. Even if you were driven from a place of wanting to win, you also still went after your dream. And this is the conversation that I wanted to open up. There's a balance here. There's a balancing act. And I feel like this discussion is perfectly suited to be able to talk about the different parts and pieces within this uh, dynamic of wanting to, to really strive and, and become your best. And then also knowing when it becomes unhealthy and, and learning to work on your mental health and feeling full no matter what, if you're not winning or you are winning or whatever. And I think you've, you've had a really courageous journey to be able to be vulnerable and open and talk through that. And even you started with that humility of, I'm not here yet. I'm not fully loving myself. I still love the likes. I still love the recognition. Same. So do I. And I think that's such mm. an important thing to be okay with mm. because I think people fly from two extremes. They either go, I'm really driven. This, this is what happened to me at least. I'm really driven by the results. I'm going after my dreams. I'm doing it. And then, oh my gosh, I just realized that I'm driven from this place. And then I felt shame around it. And then I actually started to, I was like championing myself, championing my championing myself, and then beating myself up on the other extreme. And it was like that tussle. Whereas Polarizing. I feel, yeah, there was a true, exactly. It was flying from one extreme to the other, that polarity. And so what I wanted to talk about or ask your opinion on is like, how to how did you like first and foremost, how did you go about learning to be okay without the actual winning? What techniques have you done? What like what work on yourself has you have you actually used? What tools? What how how have you gotten to to a point where you can be okay with who you are no matter what? I yeah, I've I've definitely come in leaps and bounds. I've 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 I'm a completely different person now. Um and it's because I learned the hard way. It's because, you know, I sat in the pain of training for basically 10 years for the race that I wanted to retire on. And for me to come back and do that again, I have to train for another two years. And I got to a point in my, in my life where I thought, I can't do this anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. And also I got to a point where, you know, I was winning and I sort of got everything I wanted and I got there and I was like, is this it? Is this like, is this what I put all my self-worth and confidence in when I got there and I was like, there's so much more to life. Mm. So I suppose I had built it up in my head that, you know, when I become Australian champion, when I become world champion, like I'll have my shit together. Like yeah. that's it. People like I, I'll, I'll, I'll know what to do from here. And I didn't because you get to that point and you're like, hey, what, what next? Like mm. nothing is ever good enough. And I suppose I realised that trait in me is it serves you for work and career. It serves you to be an athlete. As an athlete, most people don't ever feel, I would say a lot don't feel good enough because there's always room for improvement unless you are the best in the world at Olympic level. You know, there is nowhere else to go. Mm. And I sort of realised that my sport wasn't going to take me any, any further and I need to go further on my own. So it was a really painful process because I had everything stripped away from me. Then I had a car crash and then I did Ninja Warrior and I failed on Ninja Warrior. So I basically had an ego death, mm-hmm. uh, an identity death. If I wasn't an athlete, then who was I? And then I started to realise I, I don't want people to feel like this. I'm a very multifaceted woman. And I was always a pretty naughty and rebellious athlete. I was going to music festivals. I was up late at night. I wasn't sleeping enough. Probably wasn't eating enough at some stages. I was, you know, fucking around with my diet because uh, I find, I think that it's really important to keep things, like change things up a lot. I started doing kickboxing like while I was running and my coach was like, you can't do that. Like you could get knocked out. So I constantly was pushing the limits. And I suppose for me, I realized that I'm so much more than just an athlete. And then I also realized that all the schools, the, the, um, all the tools I had learned from being an athlete and the mindset I could actually carry over into business. So I suppose for me, I didn't really have, um, I have had coaches and I still am to an extent quite results driven. Um, but I'm, I'm really, really learning to appreciate the small things I do every day. So like I meditated this morning and I feel so good that I did that. And mm. I'm trying to be really proud of myself for the small daily habits. Like 
I drank a lot of water today. Well done. And it seems really stupid because, you know, for me it was like I would roll my eyes at that. Like I was such a savage, mean person to myself. You know, I, tr- I never missed a training session. I would train in the rain, hail, shine. I trained for 10 years straight. Like if I got injured, fuck it, I keep going. Like I was just so narrow-minded in that way. So now I've had to completely change and be kind to myself because now I train a third of what I used to train. I eat, you know, 10 times more, not 10 times more, (laughs) but like I've completely loosened the grip on the discipline, the discipline and the structure and the routine that I had. And now I feel like I'm flowing more. Things are coming easy. People Mm. are dropping in. I'm meeting beautiful people. I'm because kinder to myself, I'm kinder to others. And Mm. I'm so much less judgmental of myself. Uh, but it's taken years. It's it's yeah. it's not. It hasn't happened overnight. And I still can be really hard on myself. Um, but I want to feel happy and joy and fulfilled. And I'm not going to have those beautiful emotions if I'm so um, you know results driven and obsessed. And if I have too much structure, you need to have play. Mm. So I just sort of enjoy now being healthy and and working and having a. The biggest thing for me is having connection with others um, and being able to collaborate and inspire. So, yeah, I've gone from being a very selfish uh, person. As you're, when you're an athlete, you're selfish, you know. Mm-hmm. Everything is revolved around your training and your races, everything. Whereas now I definitely have my non-negotiables, which is training, meditation, um, training, journaling, um, and that's and also spending time with friends and family, like having a few deep conversations a week. Like I, di- I have to get on the phone and talk to friends and really connect with them. So that's probably my, my biggest one is connection now, whereas it was fitness. So very big differences there. So did that happen after? Did the priority for connection happen after you started meditating or before? Uh, it was connection to self when I learned to meditate. Mm-hmm. And after I felt connected to self, I could then connect better with others. Yeah, because um, one of the one of the what transcendental meditation does at a core level is that you're immersing more in pure awareness, also known as being. And when you connect it to a state of being, <clears throat> you naturally and spontaneously prioritize connection more. It's like a really big symptom of meditating because you you start to actually crave the 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 zest of life. And that's why why we're here as humans. We're not here just to be separate. We're here to connect. If not, we would just be oneness and there's no point of even having a universe. We just have stored potential. Like it's flourished out into this like crazy, unique biosphere organism for us to then become separate so we can come back together and experience love through just connection with people, friends, family, et cetera. So the fact that you've actually, because I experienced the same thing. I was like, the most hardcore lone wolf of all time when I was like crushing it in business. It was like, I, I just, everything was transactional and those transactions had to add up to the end result that I was going after to, to appease my own sense of self-worth. And so, yeah, it's a natural, it's a really natural thing actually. But thank you for you, sharing. Thank Sorry. you. So, thank you for asking me. Thank you for opening this conversation. You've had a um, phenomenal few years and uh, you've had like what have you done to to break out of this because you've had such a fast identity shift yeah thank you well for me uh, meditation was a big one as well um the the biggest alongside meditation i did a lot of psychotherapy so psychotherapy uh, looking at my kind of patterns that i got how i got taught to to show up when i was younger to be worthy of love. And for me, my dad gave me a lot of attention if I succeeded and he was very critical on my performance because he was ultimately living what he would consider a failure of a life and he didn't want me to be like that. And he just projected a lot of judgment and critique on the way that I was showing up in every way. And so as kids, because we're dependent, the way that we're parented is not just trying to appease our parents because we don't want to be yelled at. As a kid who has we have our whole safety dependent upon our parents to look after us because if we're in the wild by ourselves we'd die we we don't just keep following in the directions in the way that they mold us just to for no reason and we do it to survive and so we build this thing called a survival script based on the positive strokes of well done you did this well or bad you didn't do this well we then form a kind of a rule book or a set of kind of beliefs around who we need to be to be worthy of love so that our parents protect us and 
for me, I formed a hardcore achiever script with my survival script where if I didn't achieve, I wasn't worthy of love. So actually going back in time through just closing my eyes and connecting with my inner child, I actually have a picture of him usually around that little dude there. Oh, my God. What a cute guy. You can see there how, like, reserved and shy he is, right? Oh. My sister there as well. And, um, yeah, I go back and I, like, allow him to be heard and understood that he's worthy of love no matter what. Just he's perfect the way that he is. He doesn't have to change or do anything different to the way that he's showing up right now. And that, even though it's talking to a separate person, like an older version of me, I'm actually talking to myself. And that gives me permission to be like, you know what, exactly like what you were talking about with the harshness and the, the savage uh, way of approaching life. Like if you don't get this result, then, you know, you should stew over it and fucking double down and work three times as hard. That kind of methodology was what I thought I had to do to actually survive. So changing that. And you, thank you for honoring my journey. That means a lot because it does take a little while to get to the other side because what you do to show up in the world is a strategy that you familiarize yourself with and mm. to get on the other end and, and go from like, this is your strategy and then flip it the whole other way. That transition is really messy. Painful. And yeah, it's painful because your predictability so and certainty true. is taken away. Um, but ultimately, if anyone is listening who has kind of can relate to the that harsh critique of self and needing to perform to be worthy of love or be anything other than who you are naturally to be worthy of love, when you get to the other side of it, that fullness gives you permission to thrive at so much more of a higher level because you've got higher what I call deservability, which means you just think you deserve more, you're worth more, and therefore you do what you have to do to live the life that you feel like you're worthy of, of living, which is not just success-based, but it's greater love, the, and, and you ultimately thrive at a higher level. But it does take a change up there. Your knowledge is phenomenal. Like I could just listen to you all day. It's amazing what you know and how you articulate in such a digestible way. It's it's, Thanks, it's amazing. I appreciate it. It's all sub, it's all subconscious patterning. You know, it's all stuff that we're not aware of. And I, I'm yeah. deep in the work at the moment with my NLP coach, and we're looking at um, unconditional love. And the, you know, it's interesting you brought it up because <laughs> I feel um, I feel self love when I'm achieving. Yeah. So no wonder I constantly want to do. Because if I'm just being, I don't feel, I don't feel self-love. Yeah. So not all the time though, because when yeah. you meditate, you'd feel self-love. It just yeah. When, when you feel wholeness, it doesn't feel loving, but it is love. Like, yes. and that's the difference. It's like if you're interacting, like when you win, it's like a big win. You're like, fuck yeah, I'm awesome. That's like an inflated sense of self-love. When we're actually mm. meditating, it's less, it's less gratifying. It's less like yeah. hypey, but it's just yeah. I'm enough. It's just like it. It's less yeah, exciting. It is enough. Yes. Yeah. It is. Um, it is. It's a sense of wholeness. It's a sense yeah. of, it's so hard to explain. It's a sense of you connecting to yourself, but it's, it's, you feel connected to everything and everyone. It's hard yeah. to explain. Yeah. When you go deep. <laughs> Do you go deep? <laughs> you go deep, girl. <laughs> when, you, when you meditate, you, you've got this like, constant running commentary in your mind all the time just judging thoughts it's like you like right now you be and i'm doing the same thing i'm thinking what am i going to say next what's she thinking what oh, we're pretty present but there's still like that running commentary that's always going in everyone's mind in our speaking voice however there's a part of this us that can recognize it as it's happening and witness the thoughts and when you can realize that hang on a second if i can witness my thoughts i'm not actually my thoughts then what yeah. the hell am i that's that feeling. It's that pure awareness. It's, and it's not comprehensible. It's not something that we can just jump in, control, because it's a surrendering thing. It's, a, it's something that we don't fully understand but feels really familiar at the same time. And it is not that crazy swing because when you feel that sense of fullness, there, there isn't the extreme polarity of emotions. It's not like when we feel really high and we're like, we're the best. I crushed it. And then we're like, but hang on a second, then I just lost a race. Actually, I suck. And so it's like that polarity and we can swing. When you're in fullness, there's no, it's not the higher polarity or the lower polarity. It's just, yes. you're just enough. So it's less gratifying. Yeah, it is less gratifying because you also realize, 
as well. But the highs, like for me, I was so, I loved the highs. I, I thrived for them. My whole life was about the highs. Mm. And then now I just want to feel wholesome and yeah. myself and calm and present and grateful. Whereas mm. the person I was a few years ago, I thought that calm was lazy. I thought that yeah. present, I thought that Damn. present was, when someone says like, you know, live in the present, I'd be like, fuck off hippie, you know? <laughs> so now I actually am trying to become, I'm not, I'm not there yet, but I'm, you know, every day I write my journal, like, you know, like little affirmations. And I'll, I always say I'm, I'm in control. I'm calm. I'm clear. I'm present. I listen. I talk less because my, I'm normally extremely hyperactive and ADD and I used to, you know, be the loudest and be the most outspoken. And I don't want to, I want to learn and I want to sit back now. Um, Mm. So yeah, I've definitely changed a lot for the best, I believe. I feel like it's, yeah, yeah, definitely. You've, you've grown and evolved so much. I think it's really important for people to understand and, and, and yeah, kind of get that understanding around what it means to be fulfilled because the, the really easy way to identify if you're not fulfilled is if you're constantly reaching for short-term hits, short-term gratification. It's like you're either carrying the fullness and you don't need to reach for things and grab like, is it, it's, it's almost like you never, you're never hungry. <laughs> like you just, yeah. you, you just never have to eat ever again. You're just like, which we wouldn't want to do because everyone loves food, but let's just pretend you never have to eat again. So you're not just like sugar hit dinner. Where's the next meal? It's kind of like, I never have to eat again. It's like, I never have to try to give myself a little kind of injection of hit of like adrenaline Mm. to like, yeah, that's the boost or those endorphins to like, fuck yeah, this is what life's about. It's like, we bring a sense of fullness and then from that place we can choose. See, we don't really have a choice when we're reactive and needing to, we're we're actually getting kind of pinballed around to to what we have to do to appease our sense of self reactively. Exactly. With the winning, oh, you, you can make choose. so much sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And things come to you. You know, I've met so many amazing people. I had so many great opportunities, especially in the last year, that wouldn't have happened if I hadn't have started to do, you know, work and and got up working with a healer and I'm working with an NLP coach and I, you know, every time I can, I reset in my meditation so I can just be in it again and learn more and. For me, it's I've become an introvert almost the last year, and I'm not. I actually would never <laughs> identify as an introvert, but yeah. you know, I'm now actually genuinely loving my own time and putting back into myself. And I think during COVID in particular, like mm-hmm. I really embraced it. You know, I was doing Wim Hof breathing every day. I felt really, I felt like my routine was really good. Um, I wasn't on social media that much. I was just re, I was filling up my cup again and and doing what I needed to do. And my soul felt happy for the first time in a long time. I felt calm amongst all of the shit because it was all, it was, it was what I needed to get back into my meditation. Cause for me, I've meditated on and off for three years. I want to say on and off, like during ISO, I was meditating morning and night, 20 minutes. And that's amazing. And this morning I meditated and I'll do one after this. So for me, with my schedule before isolation, it was so hectic. It was so hectic. My days were long. I was working long hours. I was constantly tired, mentally tired. And during isolation, I got my energy back, like my mm. mental energy, my spiritual energy. And it's a nice place to now, like, sort of now be injected back into the world and uh, um, back into work. And to feel rejuvenated almost. Yeah, that's beautiful. Gandhi has this really interesting quote that says, "You, if you meditate for an hour a day, it's really good. But if you're super, super busy, like you've got a really busy lifestyle, then two hours is preferred. And I feel like that's a, he's a cheeky one. I feel like that's a really cheeky quote, but it's true. It's amazing. It's because, so true. Because what, what meditation does from an energy perspective, it's just like boosts your energy. So stress is essentially the level of demands that we have to face on the day and then when we meditate or the energy that we have to deal with those demands if the demands are greater than the energy that we have to deal with it so the demands are more than what we have energy then there's a surplus of demands and that stress that feels like stress if our energy is equal though then we're kind of like maximizing our energy we're living a full life which is great and if you're busy and you're taking on more demands and you meditate less 
it's way harder to like find the time to do those things oh, yeah. you did when you're busier, but it's like a double, it's like a double loss. It's like, you actually need it more. And that's a, the yeah. hardest thing for people to get around. And the, the, the core problem is that we're doing more than what we ultimately should really be doing mm. as because of the lifestyle that is normalized in our society. But I also think like, as you expand, you can become more potent with the time that you have and you can meet the best of both worlds. That's kind of like what I'm juggling with at the moment. And also asking for support and reaching out and all those kind of things. It's, it's a juggling act. And I think that you taking the time to meditate is phenomenal because when I think what happened with a lot of people with ISO is they're like, all right, now I'm an ISO. I've got the time to do all those things. And they probably doubled down more on short-term gratification because they had less connection, less automatic fullness. And they would have been getting needing short-term hits more, even yeah. though they have more time. So the fact that you actually took the time to meditate and like rebuild that relationship of of love and that time for self it's it's amazing i definitely think meditation is self-love and every time i avoid it i tell myself i mustn't not like myself today and that's terrible because i do <laughs> it's just that i'm trying to avoid like a situation it's yeah. always when you're avoiding meditations when you need it the most which is heavy because we all have those icky <laughs> meditations where you sit there and you're like fuck this like yeah. i don't want to be doing this but those grind, grimy ones are the ones that you get the most out of. Yeah. Even though they're really uncomfortable. Yeah. Cause what's happening when you have those agitating meditations is that that's when it's processing the stress. If it's gratifying the whole time, you didn't have as much stress to process. And so mm. you kind of just joyed and bathed in that, that feeling of self love. Which is the best feeling. Like when, yeah, so like nice. during ISO, I had such good meditations. But before isolation, I was meditating. And you could do it anywhere, but I'd pull my car up in between meetings and sit in the car. It's just not as nice, you know. Totally. But you can definitely squeeze in at any point. Like I used to do it um, when I was getting my makeup done for something. I'd literally close sure. my eyes. At photo shoots, if I had like a big day or if I had a script to learn, I'd actually go, hey, guys, do you mind if I meditate while you do my hair? I'm like, yeah. yeah, no worries. But well, I've been up since three. Like I need it. So yeah. there's always well, a love, way to squeeze I would in. love to hear from you because – one one frame that I've always had is that that I've adopted over the last couple of years is that every relapse is research as opposed to kind of like labeling like you failed. You know, it's more like, oh, I've just done some research. How did it go? Because like maybe oh, I'm trying not to eat sugar at the moment, but I ate it. Cool. Where's the what's had to go down? What's the evidence there? Where's the data? Every relapse is research. Yeah. And so oh, like I've got to write that down. I'm sorry, I have to write that oh. down. That's the best thing I've ever heard. Appreciate it. So I'd love to hear from you because it sounds like you've done some amazing research and a lot of people that are listening won't have meditation as like a daily wow. twice 20 hour uh, 20 minute meditation. Uh and you you do at the moment but sometimes you haven't and so what have you noticed a difference in your days when you don't do it versus when you do? Absolutely. When I am not meditating I feel um more on edge, I feel more reactive. Um, I feel scattered with my thoughts. I don't feel calm. Like I said, I'm, I seem calm now and I am, but I'm, I'm a very, um, energized person. I can get, uh, more triggered or more, more anxious and I hide it very well. I don't have anxiety by any stretch of the means. Um, but everything I do is high intensity. You know, I've got cameras mm. in front of me, got microphones in front of me. I'm always in crowds of people. I'm talking in front of crowds of people. Feel there's a lot of pressure on me at, at all times, really. Yeah. <laughs> like, but I love it. Um, so I have to find ways to completely de-stress and let that go. Particularly even little things like going to an event, loud music. Maybe I spoke at the event, then I come home and I got to try and switch off, or I may have taken a hustle class at night, then I got to come home and switch off. I've had music blaring in my ears. I've been yelling at fifty people. So, or I may have interviewed someone on the podcast and got a bit, you know got a bit of an adrenaline rush after uh, which happens all the time so for me I need to find ways to get rid of that adrenaline and to be honest I don't really get that much of adrenaline response anymore because I've recognized that adrenaline response is not great for me mm. so in every way I try and diffuse it so like before my meals I try and breathe and try and get into the parasympathetic nervous system before I, I eat before I speak to people it's almost like a little like it's self-regulating but it's like a it's a state, yeah, a state change. So I love I'll that. Do, 
because yeah. the, the way in which you do things can totally change the way that it feels to do. Like you could be like, okay, I'm going to do an exam right now and I'm studying at uni and you could like yeah. make it like a ritual. Like I've got all this crazy hippie spiritual stuff that I love, like crystal, candle. This is like my favorite candle. It's like got this pine smell, reminds me of the forest. And like I could, I could be about to do something that I find really difficult and stressful and I put this on and I'm doing the same thing but my intention is different and it changes mm. like it's not adrenaline based. And it sounds like exactly what you're saying there. It's like finding yeah. a way, do I breathe before it? How do I approach the same activities with a different flavor, a different way, and then change mm. the actual, uh, how taxing it is. And I think yes. that, I, I call it bringing sacredness into life, but I mean, Martha. you can talk about it, bringing joy into what you do or bringing yeah. calm, calm into calm. what you do. Yeah. I mean, if you look at it from a perspective on how it's affecting your nervous system, for me, I've had burnout twice and purely from the pace that my life was moving in yeah. and the decisions that I made and then the choices I made on the weekends to not rest. And mm. now I value my energy so much that I don't pick up the phone. Like I've set such strong boundaries now around my boundaries around work are still a little, are still a little, they need a little more work, but my boundaries with friends and family and commitments and commitments to myself are much better. So like this wow. afternoon, um, I've got a little bit of work to do, but I'm going to go to the gym and I'll have, I'm doing a course tonight actually. But normally I would still be working. I would try and squeeze everything in and really there would be no gaps in my day. This is before COVID. Mm. Um, and and I'm, it's taken me a really long time to start to prioritise that. But I realised I was just functioning in this full-on adrenaline-based state all the time. Something's going to give. You're not going to be able to. You're not going to be able to train well. You're not going to be able to meditate because you yes. can't switch off. You're not going to, be able to sleep properly. Whereas now, like I've got a really strong nighttime routine since doing the sleep um, health challenge and working with the sleep expert as well. Um, Amazing. And I'm sort of That's doing cool. all these things differently now to really regenerate because I, you know, for a long time was so fit but so unhealthy. So yeah. now I prioritize so much on like, what does my soul need? What do I wow. need outside of the gym, outside of work, outside of money? What do I need to, to, to refuel? And to be honest, it's so simple. It's meditation, it's journaling, it's movement. Um, it's connection. eating you mentioned heaps earlier. of plants. What was that, sorry? You mentioned earlier as well, connection for you is also. Connection. Well. Absolutely. So I have um, really bit deep, beautiful conversations with friends, a FaceTime where I see them. Um, getting in the ocean, you know, it's, it's really very natural things. Mm. Um, and to be honest, I think that's where people slip up. Like they're not doing enough to bring themselves out of that stress, stress state, or they value being in that adrenaline state so much. And to be honest, I value, I valued that state for so many years because that was when I was winning, when I had adrenaline through me, I was winning my races. I would get adrenaline rushes and I was addicted to the adrenaline and the dopamine. So now it's almost like I'm sort of doing like almost like a dopamine detox where it's like, okay, I'm sort of trying Please. to put more value in the things that are a bit more boring, but sure. they bring me back down to earth again. Yeah. Well, you've got such an amazing story. Like it's so powerful that I know it's, it's just, there's a huge silver lining here to going through burnout twice at your age and being in a position of influence with a brand to be able to talk to this from someone that's been at like the antithesis of <laughs> a busy lifestyle and then be able to talk and support people who a world that is busy is really, really beautiful. Cool. So one thing that I think would be a really beautiful way to kind of like bring this whole interview ar around like full circle is that we've spoken a lot about, uh, doing things from a place of insecurity and needing to do it to feel full and short-term hits and how do we bring more fullness and, and more self-worth into our day-to-day -day lives. On the same token, those things that make us us are our personalities. And I've got this quote that's been huge for me to kind of reintegrate, which is uh, tame, don't shame. And so... Like instead of like shaming the part yeah. of us that's like competitive and the part of us that's driven and loves success, the reality is that is us. That's our personality. Now, yes, we've done it to an unhealthy degree and we've become aware of that. But I'm really kind of, my biggest intention is to be authentic within who I am and really tame that part of me, but not discard it or hate on it or shame it. 
I see you doing this really well at the moment, and that's why I've got a question around it, with your challenges that you're doing. And I'd love to have you talk to that because you know that's the way that you work well. And you also give yourself space for love and for rejuvenation, and you're aware of this stuff. But talk about how you kind of like have incorporated challenges into your life to to motivate you and keep you driven, etc. I'd love for you to talk to that. I love the tame don't shame. That is so accurate. Tame don't shame is phenomenal. Um, that's kind of the direction that I've been moving in for a while. And to be honest, I, that quote resonates so much and I'm going to write it down. Um, I've been a lot kinder to myself on these challenges. You know, I do my podcast is called Better For It and it's how to think, move and feel better. So I take on a challenge for two weeks. It's a diet, wellness or lifestyle challenge. Um, I get an expert to come into the podcast studio and they set me a challenge. So the first one was quitting sugar. It's really cool. Um, The first one was quitting sugar. Then I did uh, vegan, went vegan. Um, And then I did two weeks of uh, a mobility challenge, which was 20 minutes morning. I think it was longer than that. 30 minutes morning, 20 minutes night. Um, They're all pretty intense challenges. Then I quit coffee, which was horrific. Um, (laughs) Now I'm counting my macros. I did a gut health challenge. So I do all these challenges. I'm going to do a swimming one soon. So all these challenges I do uh, to test me, but they're also so I can take um, small amounts of each one because two weeks is not enough time to fully change, but it's enough time to notice what I was doing wrong or what I can do better and it is about self-optimization and also it's to encourage the listeners to actually listen to the right advice so there's a lot of crap online you know um people unqualified and people particularly in on Instagram there's a lot of people and girls that are sharing diets or you know saying they eat 1200 calories and a lot of people will copy that so for me a lot of people copy what I do. So I wanted to create a platform that is safe. There's a lot of disclaimers in every episode and I'm very honest about how the challenge was. And basically because it's a expert coming into the podcast studio, you know, a lot of the time I know quite a bit about the the, the podcast theme, um, but for the sake of the audience, I'm trying to get as much information as I can from the expert so that they can become so knowledge after this, you know, 29 minute episode, they can, really get a summary of what gut health is or what sugar does on the body or what coffee does or how much sleep you need and why. And, you know, I did a meditation challenge. Why is it important to meditate? What does it do for the mind, body, and soul? And so Mm. there's a lot of information that people get um, from the podcast. And for me, it was a really, it's been a really cool opportunity for me to be kind to myself. Um, I literally am only in um, competition with myself for this. It's a self versus self. And mm. I set the challenge and I do the best I can, you know. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to spear challenge. I'm going to spear tackle you from the side here and throw in a little bit of a spanner in the works. Yeah. I, the, the reason that I, because all that stuff that you said is true and amazing and I love it. It's exciting. That challenge concept. But I think the thing that I really like about the challenge is that you know that you work well with challenges. Like, you know, yourself. Yes. Like you're doing yeah, two do. week challenges that it would excite the shit out of you. You like going forward into things. It gives you a healthy way to express that. And you mm. know you. And I think that's such a valuable lesson for people that are listening. People might not do as well with a two week challenge as you would. I would do really well with it. A lot of people that are listening would. Some people would do better with just like a gradual change of something. Other people would do better reading other people do better listening to podcasts some people like intense activity some people like more relaxed activity like that's one thing that i've really learned about like how do i how do i work not what's right or wrong or like as an absolute principle it's like Mm. what works for me and you know what works for you now and you're crafting your life in a way that just like reflects who you are and that's how you that's how you win your life by you know you said you're competing with yourself and you've just wrapped that. you've wrapped this this uh, thing into your life to give you the ch- opportunity to change and and make progress and challenge yourself because you like being challenged. It's fucking cool. That's so cool. Thank you. I appreciate that. That's no exactly worries. right. The two. I've been a lot kinder to myself, like because if it was me doing these challenges back a few years ago, I would do them like I I do them properly. I just mean I would be really hard on myself like I know with the sugar challenge I slipped up on one day because I was emceeing this massive gig there's 2,000 people 
and uh, we didn't have time to eat. So I grabbed a handful of lollies and I was on a no sugar challenge, but I literally had had, I was churning through calories. I was anxious. I knew that I needed energy and I didn't have time for a lunch break. So, but if that was me back in the day when I was so disciplined and so structured, I would have felt so bad that I had cheated or failed on myself, but it's exactly right. It's, 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 Relapse for research. Relapse is yeah. research. So, but it actually I mean, would have been healthier for you in that time, right? To have those lollies, yeah, because you actually yeah. would have fatigued yourself and 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 like gone more towards that burnout phase. Even though it was lollies, yeah. it was still healthier to have them than nothing. And that was yeah, you well, looking after. I had after nothing yourself. left in the tank. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So it's it's. I'm just a lot kinder to myself. I'm still, you know, I still thrive in competition. I still think I thrive under pressure, but I don't crave it like I used to. I really yeah. craved competition and I really craved pressure and I really craved, you know, this like, I don't want to say risk-taking, but it was like, oh, yeah, like you feel alive. Mm. Whereas now I feel I feel I thrive when I'm calm. Yeah. Um, whereas I used to feel I thrive when I was just really going for it and would it, would it chasing. Be would it be accurate to say that you have a preference for some competition but it's not like a need, like you're not going to be screwed without it, you just like it? Yeah. 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 Now, yes, yes. But back in the day, no. Yes. My whole life was a competition when I was younger. Um, when you grow up, you know, <laughs> competitive, it is hard yeah. to break out of that as you get older. Like I don't want to be, I've, I've re- like I'm not, I went through a stage where I completely stopped almost all discipline mm. and now I'm reintroducing it again because I actually yeah. thrive with discipline. But I, exactly. I took discipline to the extreme when I was younger. So it's like you've almost got to like, sort of like walk away from who you think you are and then reintroduce it in a healthy way, which is where I'm at now, you know? So I thrive very well in discipline and structure, but I also have some pretty full on um, uh, masculine traits and I want to sort of step in more into the feminine. So I have times in my day where I'm sort of flowing more and more creative. And that's usually in my morning. Like I don't, I have my morning routine that I do at my own pace and then Usually when it comes to my work day, I try and have it more structured. And then in the afternoon, I try and once again, choose a bit more. So mm. I'm trying to balance out masculine and feminine, which is really hard because I was yeah. so masculine and disciplined and focused and all of those things that I had no room for anything else. Mm. Whereas now I'm trying to balance them, which is interesting. That's beautiful. It's really like yeah. impressive. It's really impressive because it's just a habit like anything. If you've been doing it your whole life and that's how you were trained through the adrenaline and the masculine focus, discipline, et cetera. I mean, to change that's massive. So well done. Kudos. Thank you. All right, cool. Well, I would actually like to, I think that's a beautiful place to to wrap up the interview, actually. It's been <clears throat> such a, 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 I'm going to say beautiful, a beautiful chat and conversation about mm. extremes, discernment, balance. And I, I really love the fact that your whole journey up until this point has been, there's so many lessons that mm-hmm. you've been able to take for your own life. And I think that's going to be so inspiring and helpful for everyone that's listening. So thank you for sharing that. Thank I wanted so to, I'm going to ask you one more question. Uh, but before I do, I want to honor you, Katie, for being such a incredibly powerful, passionate, awesome human being, an awesome, amazing woman who's standing up for uh, inspiration and helping people. And your your whole journey is meant to make an influence in the world. Like the fact you've gone through burnout twice and, and now you're, you've come out the other side actually wanting to inspire people and liberate people and help people. The fact that you know who you are so well is really uh, amazing and inspiring as well. You're super authentic and real and love that about you. And I love having you on here. I love having you as a friend. So thank you for being on here. You rock. Um, where would you like people to follow you, Katie? You are so kind. That was so nice. Thank you so much. No um, my name is Katie Williams on Instagram. Katie and with an IE. If you, Katie with an IE. And if you like podcasts, you might like mine. It's called Better well. For It. Um, and you can find it everywhere. It's on Spotify, Apple, Apple Podcasts, um, Podcast One. Just put it into Google or pop it in your phone and you'll be able to find it. They'll find it. If they follow you, so if you go straight to Instagram now and you find Katie Williams, which is K-A-T-I-E and then Williams, uh, and then you follow her and then... It'll be in my bio. 
it'll be in your bio. Perfect. It's so, in my bio. <laughs> awesome. And I know what I always encourage our listeners to do is to, after they've added you on Instagram, to send you a message. I know for me, I love getting reach outs. I know it's a beautiful way to connect. I know sometimes if someone's a podcast guest, it might feel like you don't want to disturb them because they're busy and they're an influencer or whatever. But I know for me, it means the world. So if you add uh, Katie on Instagram or just follow her on Instagram and send her a message saying what you learned or something you connected with or if there's follow-up questions or whatever, just shoot her a message and um, she'll do her best to get to that. Um, I will always get back. I love that. And and, and if there's any questions anyone has for me, um, if they've gone through something similar, they just want to have a chat. I'd love to connect. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thanks for coming Thank on. So this much. has been really, really fun. I love and this. I got one last question, which is that if you were to go back to your, uh, let's say 12 year old self, when you're still yeah. in the thick of the competitive days and you're this innocent little girl, what would the one biggest piece of advice based on everything that you've experienced and lived and learned through what would that piece of advice be to your 12-year-old self? Mm, I'd probably tell myself to just uh, slow down, mm. um, definitely. To slow down and, and enjoy it. Um, I don't think I enjoyed a lot of the ride, which is a bit sad. Um, well, I look back at what I've achieved now and I think, wow, I wish I, I, wish I was proud of myself. I've struggled a lot with pride. Um, yeah. Yeah, but the good news is you're, you're 26, and uh, <laughs> so you're, you're you're a quarter of the way through. And um, there's actually a book called The Five Regrets of the Dying, written by a palliative care nurse. And one of the biggest regrets that people had, one of the five biggest regrets, was working too hard. So wow, there you go. And another one was not giving yourself permission to be happy. Both of those, you know, you you're actually aware of them now, and you're not going to die with wow. that. Regret, so. Boom town. Well done. You're a king. I wish we were closest. We could train together and do, don't you, what do you, boxing. you do a lot of, yeah, boxing, kickboxing. It's what I do as well. Running. What a running. Running. I'll come awesome. visit you in Melbourne. Sounds amazing. I'm looking forward to it when domestic travel opens up. As soon as it does, <laughs> I'll be heading up to Sydney and traveling a bit more. So Perfect. Awesome. Thanks well, again for coming on. Plenty of room in this house. Go and see uh, Mama Bear Williams. Yeah, <laughs> I will. Thank you so much. It's so good to see you. Big love. Thank you so much, beautiful human, for taking the time to tune into today's episode. It means the world to both me and our amazing guests that we had on today. Now, for those of you who are at love level a million and really want to help contribute to the growth of this podcast, here's how you can do so. The first thing you could do is rate and review the podcast. It gets the message out there and that is something that means a lot to me and I heavily appreciate it. The second thing you could do is actually reach out and say hello. I love getting DMs from people. Instagram's the place. The Ryan Magic and just send me a a message either telling me about your story, asking a question or letting me know how the podcast has made a difference to you. And the third thing is staying on this journey with me. I'm doing these podcast episodes for both of our growth. And the essence behind this podcast, Grow With Ryan Magic, Grow Being With Double O, the infinity sign actually symbolizes that you never stop growing. And if you can make a devotion and a commitment to yourself to keep showing up, keep learning, and do your best to implement the growth strategies while at the same time bringing your fulfillment on the journey. So thank you again for showing up today, showing up for you. I love you. I appreciate you. And I'm so grateful. And I can't wait to see you on the next episode of the Grow with Ryan Magic podcast.